the big picture biblical principle today, and it's simply this. Train your children up through your relationship with your God and your spouse. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. You've got to go to school to get a good education so you can have a good career, so you can make a good living, you have a good house, have a good house, drive a good car. You can live the American dream. In one way or another, isn't that what we end up teaching our children, that this American dream, that this is really what success is in life, and this is really what value is? Raising children, it isn't easy in the world we live in today. It seems that our culture tries to push our children to measure success in life by the accumulation of things. But God has a different standard. You can teach them the value of money. You can teach them the importance of a strong work ethic. You can teach them the need for education. But all of those things pale in comparison to the need to teach them about a relationship with God. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. It's Father's Day, and we're taking a break from our year-long study in the book of Revelation to take a look at a passage of Scripture that encourages parents to train up their children in God's way. Pastor Clay reminds parents today that there are two particular areas where they have an opportunity to influence their children that can make a big difference in their lives. We thank you for joining us today for the Father's Day Crosswalk. They do learn from us, don't they? Um, The good and the bad, they learn from us. I was uh, changing my grandson uh, Dakota's diaper a couple weeks ago. And um, I won't go into too many details, but it involved corn. (laughs) And it was nasty. Wyatt, my three-year-old grandson, Wyatt, happened to come by while I was changing his diaper well, I was changing his, his brother's diaper, and he looked down and said, and I quote, Oh my gosh, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. He didn't know how to pronounce it, but he knew what disgusting meant. And he just kept saying it over and over again. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. I know, I know, Wyatt. All right, I know. <laughs> they learn from us. Uh, my wife, Cindy, um, doesn't doesn't have road rage, but like all of us, she may occasionally suffer from a case of road irritability. (laughs) And now she's got a couple of grandkids that uh, ride around with her every day. And so uh, she said a few weeks ago that they were uh, driving around somewhere and uh, some guy was going along real slow in front of them. And all of a sudden, uh, Wyatt shouts out from the back seat, come on, dude. (laughs) <laughs> which he could have learned actually from either one of us. Now, I don't say, come on, dude, but I will go, dude. <laughs> uh, they learn from us, the good and the bad. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, some people understand that proverb to mean that if you train up a child in the way he should go, he or she should go, that they will never depart from that way. That's what some people believe that proverb is saying. Train them up in that way and they will never depart from that way. Some people believe that this proverb is teaching that if you train up a child in the way that he or she should go, 
that if he or she does stray at some point in their life, that they will come back to the way at some point in their life. Some people believe it means that. As best I understand it, this proverb, like all of God's proverbs, are general, general principles. And this proverb is saying that if you train up a child in the way that he or she should go, that he or she may or may not decide... Tyler, can I get you to come back, go back to that passage of Scripture, please? He or she may or may not decide to follow God. He or she may or may not uh, necessarily uh, do everything that you would wish for them to do because God never forces His will on anybody and He seems to allow people to make choices of whether they will love Him and follow Him or not. But that if you train up your child in the way that he or she should go, the truth that you impart to them as they grow, as they move into adulthood, and the text is literally saying as they're growing, as they're growing old, that that truth will never leave them. That truth is always there. They make de- may make decisions that are good. They may make decisions that are not good. But the truth that you impart it to them is there, and God can use that truth to work in their lives. We train them up. That's the part that can't be debated. What cannot be debated about Proverbs 22.6 is this clear commandment to train up or teach our children the way that they should go. That part is not up for debate. What I want to do in the time that we have left this morning is just share with you a couple of areas where we can help train up our children. And in fact, if we, if we can work on these two areas of training up our children, we will have gone a long ways towards helping them find the way that God has for them. And it is the BP squared, the big picture biblical principle today. And it's simply this, train your children up through your relationship with your God and your spouse. Now, first, your relationship with God. This is, quite frankly, the most important thing you will ever teach your children, period. You can teach them the value of money. You can teach them the importance of a strong work ethic. You can teach them the, the need for, for education. But all of those things pale in comparison to the need to teach them about a relationship with God. For a couple of reasons. For one thing, because all of those other things will eventually fade away while a relationship with God is eternal. So it's just from a sheer practical standpoint, those other things that I teach them may be needed and may be important, but they eventually will fade away. Their relationship with God will never fade away. And second, you may or may not believe this, but ultimately a relationship with God is the only thing in this world that will actually bring true contentment, satisfaction, meaning, purpose to life. It really is, in the end, the only thing. I know it's tough at times. I know sometimes we question whether this whole God thing is worth it or whatever. But, but the longer I do it, the more I know that this is absolutely true. Nothing else in life that comes close to having a relationship with God that brings as much satisfaction and joy and peace and comfort to my life. Now... The world will teach them that there are other things of greater importance, like how many figures are in your salary, 
or how much square footage is in your house or how many horsepower are under the hood or how many uh, name brand labels are hanging in your closet. That's the standard by which the majority of people in the world uh, judge or, or de- determine what success is. And sadly, too often, those of us who, who name the name of Christ fall into the trap of making that our criteria for determining success as well. Some of you have heard me say this before. There is nothing wrong with having nice things unless those things come before or interfere with my relationship with God. And if they do, then, Houston, we've got a problem. Isn't that exactly, think about it, isn't that exactly what we teach our kids? Well, you've you, you, you got to go to school to get a good education, to get a good education so you can have a good career, so you can have a good career, so you can make a good living, make a good living, you have a good house, have a good house, drive a good car, you can live the American dream. In one way or another, isn't, don't we all tend to fall in there? Isn't that what we end up teaching our children, that, that this, this American dream, that this is really what, what success is in life, that this is really what value is in life? And what if, what if God wants our children to spend their lives in the slums of New Delhi or working among some, some people group in East Africa or living in a, in a village in the rice paddies of Cambodia? Is that success? Are we teaching our children above everything else to, as the Apostle Paul put it in Philippians chapter 4, to say that he is He wants to know Christ. That's what I want out of life, Paul says. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death so that somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's the measure of success. To know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Is that what we're teaching our children? Is that the measure of success? Are we teaching, we sang about it this morning, are we teaching our children to love the Lord our God with all our soul, mind, spirit, strength, with everything that we are? Are we teaching them to love God that way? Or is Christian just a, a nice little religious label to put on our Facebook homepage? Religious views, Christian. Really? What are we teaching them with our lives? In its context, uh, Matthew 6.33 is teaching about uh, obtaining food and shelter and clothing, that type of things. And it says, uh, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do we teach our children to seek the kingdom of God above everything else in our lives? Or, by our actions, do we teach them to seek the food, the clothing, and the shelter, and a nice benefit package, and then... Give to God whatever's left over with our time, our resources, energy, whatever. What are we teaching them with our lives? Listen, can I say this to you? Reading them in the Bible stories at night is great, but we teach a lot more with our lives than we do with our lips. And you and I are called to train them up, to teach them. Now listen, there's, there's not a vacancy in the Trinity, so nobody's asking you to be perfect. But with our lives... Are we, are we modeling what a relationship with God looks like in such a way that it affects our lives and therefore will affect our children's lives? 
for instance, the, the Bible says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, let's just stop right there a minute. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Do we even need to go on from there? Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Parents, do your children see you living out the peace of God in your life? Are you teaching them to trust or are you teaching them to worry? Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you what the Word says. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes or anything. I'm just, well, maybe a little. Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul says to the church in Galatia, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what a, a, a Christ-filled life produces. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Parents, do I even need to ask this question? Does our life demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in such a way that our children would look at our lives and say, I desire that fruit in my life. I desire to live with with love and joy and peace and and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. Because if the Bible's right, and I think it is, it is saying, Paul's saying to the church in Galatia and to us, this is what your life ought to produce out of a relationship with God. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, perfect, pleasing will. Parents... Would your, would your children say that your life is conformed to the image of Christ or the image of the world as far as the priorities of life? Would your, would your children... Oh, by the way, can I say this too? If you don't know what the priority of your life is, just ask your children. I can promise you they know what the priority of your life is. Would your children say, yep, my daddy... Lives his life as a living sacrifice to the Lord. My mommy is... Is that what they would say? Now listen. Uh, I can't even tell you how many times in my life as a parent that I did not get it right. That I did not live it out. So I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. Uh, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. What I'm trying to get you to do is get started. To Say, okay... This relationship with God is supposed to look like something that really, quite honestly, my life is not looking like right now. I'm reading, I started reading this book entitled The, the Christian Atheist, and it's, it's kind of addressing this very idea. The subtitle is, People Who Say They Believe in God But Live Like They Don't. To get you started to say, all right, what am I going to do? How, what changes do I need to make? How can I impress upon my children that this God thing actually matters in my life? It's not just something that I put down or that I say or... That we read our, we say our prayers at night before we go to bed and then, and then whatever. My relationship with God. Second idea, and I don't have a lot of time spent on this morning, but it, it's this, that BP squared. The importance of the relationship with God and the other part I said was the importance of your relationship with your spouse. To let your children learn through that thing, through that relationship 
with your spouse. Parents, your children will learn what a marriage is supposed to be from you. That's who they'll learn it from. There is something special about this this relationship that God has made between a man and a woman in covenant marriage. And besides a relationship with Jesus Christ, probably our culture needs nothing greater Besides your relationship with Christ, our culture today needs nothing greater than to see marriages that are solid, that are strong, that are vibrant, that are healthy. And your children need to learn that from you. Your children need to learn from you what, what a loving relationship actually looks like. Your children should, parents, your children should learn, from, learn how to communicate with their spouse when that day comes. They should learn how to communicate with their spouse from what they've watched you two. And how you two communicate. Wives, your children should learn what, what, what a wife looks like that honors and respects her husband. Husbands, your children should learn what, what a husband actually looks like who puts his wife first. Because I tell you this, both husband and wife, besides your relationship with God, no one should have a greater priority in your life than your spouse. Not even your children. No one should have a greater priority in your life than your spouse. And your children should learn of this love and this relationship that is unlike any other relationship that you have. And it should teach them, that's, that's the kind of man I want to marry someday. That's what your girls should say. That's the kind of wife I want to have from watching his mom. Uh, listen, again, let me say this. I know that, that you're thinking, all right, well, pastor... <laughs> We might as well go ahead and get us a divorce or give our kids up for adoption because our kids aren't seeing anything like that in our household right now. No. Listen, what I'm saying to you is, okay, what do I do? How do I make the changes? How do I get started on this thing to actually be this father, this mother, this husband, this wife that God wants me to be? Because all of us are working. Can I tell you, all of us are still working on this thing. Cindy and I, in a couple of weeks, will celebrate our 32nd uh, wedding anniversary. 32nd, right? 32nd wedding anniversary. In a couple of weeks, 32nd wedding anniversary. Hey, I'm still trying to figure out how to do this thing. I'm still trying to get it right. As a matter of fact, when, when I die, I think about this. When I die, my wife will probably have put on my tombstone, bless his little heart, he kept trying. <laughs> I, I, so, you understand what I'm saying, man? We're all still working at this thing, but what will it take for me to be the man God wants me to be? That, listen, here's the benefits. Number one, I get to experience a marriage that is actually rich and rewarding and fulfilling physically, spiritually, emotionally, every single way. And my children get the benefit of, of, of watching and learning from, from the times we get it right and the times we get it wrong. Dads, don't be afraid to tell when you make a mistake. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? Daddy didn't handle that very well just then. Teach your kids. They get the benefit of, of actually learning what a, what, a, what a Christian marriage can be. And God gets the benefit of, of seeing his name being glorified as, as people see that actually following Christ can make a difference even in our marriages. Go figure. Now, let me say this real quickly. The second one, the relationship with a spouse, is directly connected to the first one, your relationship with God. As a matter of fact, all of our relationships are that way. And the truth is, You'll never have this relationship with your spouse. It'll never be all that it could be until you make sure that you've got this relationship with God 
That, number one, that you know you have it. Number two, that it's this growing, vibrant thing that you're learning what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And your children are seeing that in your life. Maybe you're a single parent. And it's double duty. It falls on you. I know it's hard. But to be the example and the model that God has called us to makes all the difference in the world. You want to impact your children? You want to train up your child in the way that they should go? As I said a moment ago... As they grow to adulthood, they'll make decisions that, that are based on their free will. But the truths that you teach them, and we teach with our lives as much as we do with our lips, as I said, those truths will be with them. And I believe God will use them in their lives. And I want to challenge all of us here who are moms and dads to dedicate ourselves to the work that God has called us to, to being fully devoted followers of Jesus. Don't be afraid to let your kids studying, see you studying God's Word. Don't be afraid uh, to let your kids know that, that you're, talk, you're in your bedroom right now because you're talking with God. Don't, let your kids, don't be afraid to let your kids see the joy that you receive from just serving the Lord and, and just, just being a whole part of the kingdom work that He's called you to. The priority of your life to seek first His kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The truths that we teach them. Sure, we teach with our lips, and we should. But we teach probably more with our lives. Our relationship with our God and our relationship with our spouse, those two areas, as much as anything we do, will teach our children important lessons for life. If those relationships are priorities for us, then our children will see that they need to make them a priority of their own lives. As their teachers, parents need to remember that saying it is good, showing it is better. Our children will make their own decisions as they mature into adults, but if we as parents do all we can to train them up in God's way, we will honor the Lord and give our children the best chance they have for a fulfilling, God-pleasing life. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.